Are you ready for God's word? Well, I am so excited to share with you the final message in our six-part sermon series. We've been calling it Richard. We've been taking six Sundays to explore the six metaphors of the church found in the New Testament. In message number one, we talked about the church as a family. In message number two, we talked about the church as a building. In message number three, the church as a temple. Message number four, the church as a field. And last Sunday, we talked about the church as the bride of Christ. Well, today, for a few moments, I want to talk to you about the church as the body of Christ. And as we begin, I want to give a shout out welcome to our Wow Church children who have joined us today for this special Unite service. And a shout out to our children's pastors who've been doing an excellent job tracking with the same theme to our children over this sermon series. Well, today, as we talk about the body of Christ, over 30 times in the New Testament, Paul compares the church to a body. And so before we get to our text this morning, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, down to verse 27, I want to give you three introductory passages of Scripture. The first one is found in Colossians chapter 1, verse 17 and verse 18. It talks about Jesus. And it says, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now watch this. And he is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the head of the church, and we are his body. Can you imagine some 2,000 years ago, God sent his son Jesus to this world, and you're the reason? He died on a cross for you. They put him in a grave. On the third day, he was raised to life, and he's now ascended to the heaven. So who does the work of God nowadays? The body of Christ. He's the head. We're his hands. We're his feet. And I believe that God wants to take us to places that we've never been before. And he wants to use our hands to do things that are yet to be done. We're in this pandemic season and it feels like we're in survival. Well, I speak to you, church, today that God wants to move us from survival to revival. Well, the second introductory passage of scripture is Romans chapter 12, verse four and verse five. Paul said, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Your function and my function might be different. God does something he wants to do through you, and he has something he wants to do through me but we belong to each other. If you've ever questioned, do I belong to the family called Woodville? You belong. Well, the third introductory passage of scripture is Ephesians 4, verse 16. Paul said, from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. God has given you an assignment. God has given you a task. God has given you a mission, and we must all do our part. If you don't do your part, who will? God has assigned you a part. Well, let's go now in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, down to verse 27. And for a few moments today, I want to give you five key principles that you and I really need to know about the church being the body of Christ. So the first principle I want to share with you today, number one, you are a part of a united whole 
but you are not uniform. You know, in our family, we've got a whole bunch of puzzles and I brought one today. And this is a puzzle from our house. You can see the snowman on it. It's 400 pieces, it's a puzzle. And probably all of you know that puzzles have so many parts to them, so many pieces to them. And not one of these pieces are the same. They're all uniquely different. But they form together a picture. A puzzle comes together as a picture. And you and I are like a piece in the puzzle called Woodvale. You are different than me and I am different than you. But together we form a picture. We, we form a future that God has for us. We are better together than we are on our own. So we form a united thing together called the church, called the body of Christ, but it's not uniform. Well, the Bible says these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. The body's not made up of one part. The church isn't one part, but of many. And the Greek word many means an abundance. There's many pieces to the puzzle called Woodville. There's many parts to the body of Christ called Woodville. There's over 2,000 people, maybe even closer to 3,000 people who call this church home, and you are a part of this family called Woodville. I don't know about you, but I love cartoons. Do you remember the Peanuts cartoon? Do you remember Lucy? Remember Linus? Some of you younger children don't know what I'm talking about, but your moms and dads and your grandparents will remember the, the Peanuts cartoon, Lucy and Linus. Well, one day, Lucy is demanding that Linus would change the channel on the TV. And so she threatens him with her fist if he won't do it. Well, Linus isn't too frightened by this. And he says, what makes you think that you can walk right in here and take over with a scowl on her face. Lucy replies, these five fingers. She said individually, they're nothing. But when I curl these fingers together, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. Immediately, Linus responds, which channel do you want? <laughs> well, as he walks towards the TV, Linus is looking at his fingers and he says to them, why, why can't you guys get organized like that? Well, church, I am not condoning and saying the methodology of Lucy was good, but I think there's an application. Just like my hand has four fingers and a thumb, they're different sizes, and, but together they, they form a, a mighty, powerful unit. And Woodville together we form a mighty, powerful unit. There's several verses in the Old Testament. One is found in Joshua chapter 23, verse 10, where it says, one can rout a thousand when the Lord fights for them. And then there's an amazing verse in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 30, it says, one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. Can you imagine this church called Woodville with two to 3,000 people who call it home coming together? We can become a mighty force to live out God's vision, God's plan, God's destiny for this church. We are better together, and God has something great that he wants to do through us. So number one, you and I are part of a united whole, but you are not uniform. But then there's number two, you are in indispensable. Not only are you indispensable, you're, you're not inferior. 
Indispensable means you're needed. Indispensable means you are valued. It means we can't do this without you. But when we say you're not inferior, it means you're not less important. There's not more important people in this church and less important people. There's no inferior people in this church. We all matter regardless of our age. The children matter. The adults matter. The seniors matter. Regardless of your age or stage or color of skin or race or where you come from around the world or language that you speak, you matter at Woodville. Everybody matters. Everybody is, is indispensable. We can't do this without you. And nobody is inferior. Let's go to God's word, verse 15, down to verse 17. I love this. Paul said, now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. Listen to verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Can you imagine if my foot started talking to my hand and says, well, I'm not really a part of this body. I'm not as important as the hand. Can you imagine if my ear would say to my eye, well, I'm not the eye. I'm not really that important. Well, Paul said, can you imagine if the entire body was, was an eye? Can you imagine if your entire body was an eye? You had no ears. You didn't have a mouth. You didn't have hands. You didn't have legs. You didn't have feet. Well, you could see well, but you can't hear anything. You can see the needs in the world, but you can't do anything about it because you got no hands and you got no legs and you've got no feet. You can't get anywhere. It would be ridiculous to think that my entire body was just an eye. And so church today, I want to remind you that you are indispensable and nobody is inferior. Let me illustrate this. Can you imagine if you were going on a trip and you booked your flight to your favorite place and you got on the airplane and you paid next to nothing for your ticket? You got the deal of the century. And the pilot gets on the intercom and says, welcome on our flight today. I want to explain to you today why your ticket was so cheap. He said, today it's just me. We don't have a co-pilot. We sent him home. I can do this on my own. It'll be fine. I can do this. Oh, yeah. And the guy who normally de-ices the plane, it was a stormy day. The guy who normally de-ices the plane, we sent him home. I, I went outside. I, I did it myself. I think I did a pretty good job. Oh, and the mechanic that checks over the engine to make sure it's working right, we sent him home. I took a course, a semester in high school on mechanics. I looked over the plane. I think it's fine. Oh, yeah, and the guy in the tower that makes sure we can take off and everything is fine in the sky, we sent him home. I got a new pair of glasses. I could see well. We can do it. I think if I were you and I was on that plane, I'd get off that plane. I'm not doing it. You see, friend, it takes more than a pilot to fly a plane. Just because we don't see the other people who help a plane get off the ground doesn't mean they're not important. It's like a church Sometimes we think only the people on the platform are important. Only the one who preaches is important. Only the one who leads worship is important. Nobody else is important. But it takes an entire body of Christ 
to help this church mobilize to their future. Everybody matters. Every ministry is important. Everyone is indispensable. It takes all of us together to make this church go forward. And so number two, you are indispensable. Get that in your spirit today, but you're not inferior. But then there's number three. You are divinely designed. Oh, yes, you are. But you're not humanly developed. You are divinely designed. God has shaped you with significance. He has made you with purpose. The most freeing thing in life is to live out the design and the purpose that God has made you to do. When you discover why God puts you on this earth and his plan and his purposes for your life, it is so freeing. God has shaped you for significance. He's given you spiritual gifts. He's given you a passion for things. He's given you abilities. He's given you a personality. He's given you life experiences and you blend it together and you are shaped for significance. I want to read to you verse 18 down to verse 20. Paul said, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I've got an ear over here and an ear over there and two eyes here, a nose and a mouth. And God knew exactly where to put my ears and where exactly to put my eyes and where exactly to put my nose and my arms and my fingers and my legs. He designed us uniquely perfectly with a reason in mind. So it says, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, every one of them, that includes you, just as he wanted them to be. Do you know the Greek word for wanted them to be means that he takes pleasure. He takes delight in where he places you and how he uses you in the body of Christ. God delights in making you the way he's made you and using you the way he uses you. Paul said, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And so I want to remind you today that you are fearfully, you are wonderfully made. God has formed you and shaped you with significance. I can remember back years ago when Evelyn and I were pastoring in the greater Toronto area. And there was a lady that came to know the Lord and God used her greatly in our church. But let me take you back in the story. She was a single mom doing her best, raising her son, doing an amazing job. One day, her job came to an end. I think she was laid off, and now she has no work. She's a single mom, and she's doing her best to raise her son, and life is really tough, and she's down and discouraged. It was a Sunday morning. She's out for a jog, and she called up to God for like the first time. God, if you are real, if you really are real, give me a sign. Just then, our church bus drove by, and the name of the church was on the side. It was our Sunday school bus. Those were the days where he'd send out buses to pick up children for Sunday school. And she took that as a sign and she came to her church and she gave her heart to Jesus Christ. Can you imagine if that bus driver didn't live out his gift and drive that bus? Can you imagine if the lady was coordinating that ministry and laid out the, the order and the route for the kids they would pick up if she didn't do that? If it wasn't planned out the way it was, that bus would not have driven by her that day. And she may never have come to our church and she may have never given her heart to Jesus, but she did because people were living out their God-given unique design. Well, she had many giftings and one of them, she loved to shop and she loved getting a deal. 
I remember one Sunday we were doing our vacation Bible school. We were reaching like a thousand children. And I had this dream of the largest ice cream sundae in the entire Durham region. We got these eave troughs and got them already hundreds of feet, but we had no ice cream and we had no money to buy it. And she said, Pastor, I can do this. She drove to another city. She went to a famous ice cream shop. She told them what we're doing. And she shared before long, she filled her van with barrels of free ice cream. And she came back to the church with free ice cream for thousands of kids. And that year, many children gave their heart to Jesus. Her gift of shopping, getting that ice cream for free was used for God. Maybe your gift is shopping. May God use that gift. So I want to declare to you that you are divinely designed. You are shaped with significance. God has a plan. He wants to use you. But then there's number four, you. You are distinct, but you're not deformed. You are distinct, meaning you are unique. Not deformed means you're not unusual. You are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. Let's go back to our text and let me read verse 21. The, the eye, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Can you imagine if my eye said to my hand, I don't need you. I can function without you. It's all good until I get something in my eye and I can't seem to get it out of my eye. And so I need my finger to get up here and rub that out. And then Paul said, and the head cannot say to the feet, the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Can I remind you that Jesus is the head of the church and we are his body. And it says here, the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. You see, Jesus needs us. When he went to heaven, he left earth. He doesn't have a plan B whom God wants to use to reach this world and reach Ottawa and to reach the nation of Canada is you and me. We are his hands and we are his feet, but we really need each other. Some of you, I believe, are watching this sermon today and you think, Mark, how can God use me? I don't feel unique. I feel unusual. I actually feel like I'm deformed. I feel like I'm a mess. I feel like I'm broken. I feel like God can't use me. If you only knew what I've done in life, if you only knew how much of a mess I am, how can God ever use me? Well, I speak over your life today. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're walking through, but I believe God wants to take your mess and do a miracle and turn it into a message. I believe God wants to take the test that you're walking through and turn it into a testimony. I believe God wants to take the problems, the hurt, the baggage, and he wants to bring you to the place of wholeness. So someday he's going to use you to come alongside someone else to help them, to be strength, to be encouraged them for them. You see, God has placed you in this church for such a time as this. Every gift, every gift that this church needs is sitting in this church today and an unused gift equals an unmet need. There are so many needs in this church. And if your gift isn't being used, the need won't be met. God wants those gifts to be fanned into life. You're not deformed. You're not unusual. You are, you are made in the image of God and God wants to use you greatly. And I speak that word over the children. Oh, boys and girls, you're watching me today. Your pastor wants to tell you that we believe in you. God wants to use you. Would you pray? 
pray for miracles? Would you pray that God would use you greatly? I speak that over our young people. God wants to use this youth generation. I speak that over our adults, over our seniors. We're in an intergenerational, an intercultural church. Everybody is valued. Everybody is needed. Nobody is unusual. Nobody is deformed. But we are fearfully and we are wonderfully made and God wants to use us. But then there's number five. You are interconnected, but you're not independent. God connects us together. You're not independent. There's no room for lone, lone rangers in the body of Christ. We're meant to do life together. Let me read to you verse 22 down to verse 27. Paul said, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker, they're indispensable. You ever thought about your tiny little piggy pinky toe, that tiny little toe? How significant can that be? Well, if you ever hurt your baby toe, you know how important it is. It helps give you balance when you walk. It helps you walk. It helps you run. It might be so small, but it is so important. Verse 23, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. I mean, Paul here is talking about the fingers on their hands. They would put ornaments on them. They would treat them with honor. And their ankles, they would put these bracelets around them. And even on their toes, in those days, many of the ladies had little rings on their toes. They treated them with honor. But he says, the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. You see, my friends, I might be standing on this platform preaching today, but I want you to know we honor everybody in this church. We honor those that lead a connect group. We honor those that count the offerings. We honor those that are making calls to our seniors. We honor those that take up a mop and clean the floors. We honor those that help unplug toilets. We honor those that are taking care of the flowers outside. We honor everyone in this church. Every ministry is as equally important. Nothing is more important. Nothing is less important. Everything is equally important. Paul said, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Look at verse 24. Well, our presentable parts need no special treatment. Watch this. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. God is putting the body together. He uses these unique Greek words that speaks of two elements that are joined together, compounded into one. It's the same word that comes from an ancient Hebrew word of a husband and wife coming together and becoming one flesh. You see, God has connected us together, just like a puzzle has numerous pieces and the pieces of the puzzle are connected together. God connects us together in the body of Christ to make us what he wants us to be. There's a story of a family. They didn't have much money, and it's Christmas. And they wanted to get a Christmas tree, but they couldn't afford one. They went Christmas Eve to a place that had some Christmas trees left, but they couldn't afford the price of them. But they found in the very back a tree that was missing half of its branches, and then another tree that was missing half of its branches. And they offered the guy $3 for the two of them. And he said, okay. He couldn't sell them anyways. They paid $3 for these two horrible looking trees. On the way home that night, the guy who was selling the trees walked by the residents of that home and he looked in the window and he saw this big, beautiful Christmas tree and he thought, where did they get this? And he knocked on the door only to discover that they had taken those two depleted trees, 
compounded them together, took the bad of one and put it alongside the good of the other, put the good of one and put it alongside the bad of the other. And the two came together and made a beautiful tree. That's what God does in his church, the body of Christ. He brings me together with you. I've got my strengths, but I've got my weaknesses. You've got your strength. I've, you've got your weaknesses. You see, my friends, you don't want to give me a guitar and a microphone and tell me to lead in worship. I will not do well at it. You don't give me a hammer and tell me to build something. It won't go well. But I've got my strengths. You've got your strengths. And God wants to release his anointing on you and use you in your giftings and use you in your strengths. Verse 25 so that there should be no division in the body. Division, division, die means two, two visions. God doesn't want there to be two visions for this church. There's one vision and God wants to use us greatly, but its parts should have equal concern for each other, meaning we should be concerned and worry about the welfare of one another. In verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Can you imagine if you stubbed your baby toe? You wouldn't look at your baby toe as you bumped into this large piece of furniture in your house and say, suck it up, buttercup, you'll be fine. No, when you bump your toe, it hurts and your leg responds and it lifts up your foot and your back responds and bends over and your arms respond and your hands respond and you start to rub your foot, your whole body comes alongside it. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of, that we care. We suffer when someone in the church suffers. There's people in our church that are going through so much. They can't cast their burden on the Lord because it's so heavy. So let's carry the burden with them and let's cast the burden together with them at the feet of Jesus. Let's be a church that hurts when people hurt. Some of you are walking through difficult roads. We care for you. We love you. We're with you in the journey. And then Paul went on to say that if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. We rejoice when people come to Jesus. We rejoice when people are baptized in water. We celebrate the good in your life. That's the kind of church we want to be a part of. And Paul concludes, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. As I close this brief message today, well, you might know this, that the month of February is Black History Month. And in our final moments, I want to tell you about a man named William Seymour. He was a black African-American preacher. He was actually blind in one eye. He was born in the late 1800s. It's now 1906. He's in Los Angeles, California, in a prayer meeting on Bonnie Bray Street with a bunch of people, and God showed up, and revival broke out. And before long, they moved it to a barn, to a warehouse. And for three solid years, morning, afternoon, evening, were services and God showed up. And every nationality is coming together. Children, adults, every color and race were showing up. People were saved and healed, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And God did an amazing thing. They were in a season of survival, but God moved them to revival. And in our final moments, I want to declare to you that God doesn't want us to stay in the place of survival. God has a plan for this church, for the body of Christ. And he wants to move us from survival to the place called revival. It's going to take the body of Christ. It's going to take you and me together, launching into the vision that God has for us. The best days, Woodville, are the days ahead of us. Before we celebrate communion together, would you worship in song, in the song that's all about revival and let the cry of your heart be for revival.
Presence and have it. 
Wasn't that a powerful song? We pray that God would send revival. Well, it's an honor to share in church family communion together. And I trust that you've got the crackers or bread and juice ready. And if you have family, gather together as a family. We want your children to be a part of this. Well, before we celebrate in communion, I want to ask you this important question. If today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity, do you know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven? Have you personally asked Jesus Christ into your life? Was there a time, a place, a moment that you received Jesus Christ into your life? I don't want you to think you're going to heaven. I don't want you to hope you're going to heaven. I want you to know beyond any shadow of doubt that you're going to heaven. If you can't answer that question with a definite yes, I would have no greater joy than to lead you in this prayer today. Would you join me? Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. Today, I receive you in my heart. Please forgive me of my sins. Today, I say yes to Jesus. I pray this now in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I believe there's many of you today that you asked Jesus Christ into your life and you have made the best decision of your life. If you don't attend a life-giving, Bible-believing church, we'd be honored if you joined us in the journey at Woodvale Church. In fact, connect with us and we will reach out to you. We'd love to see you in our follow class that is meant for people who have just recently asked Jesus Christ into their life. If you still have lots of questions about Christianity, reach out to us. We'd love to get you connected to Alpha. It's a great ministry to help you. Well, I want to invite you to get the, the bread and to get the, the juice. And these emblems represent the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was in an upper room with his disciples and he took some bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. I want to invite you to take a little bit of that bread or that cracker and I want to invite you to partake together of the emblem that represents the body of Jesus. Let's partake together. I want you to get the cup of the juice that represents his blood. And let's partake together of the juice that represents the blood of Jesus. Let's bow our heads together. Father God, thank you. Some 2,000 years ago that you sent your son Jesus to this world for us. And I pray today we would never forget the price that you, Jesus, paid for us on that cross. I pray that these emblems today 
would be a reminder to us of what you've done. I now pray for our church family. Surround each one. Bless each one. Give each one a great day and an amazing week. In Jesus' name, amen.